All right, living under the influence is what we're talking about in our current series, and uh, it's really a, fam- a series on family life. Next weekend, we'll be talking about living under the influence in your marriage, and then living under the influence in your home and in your family and with your children. And uh, it's so good to see you today, and I invite you to take your Bible, if you have it with you, and turn to Ephesians chapter 5. You can also pull the study guide out of your worship folder, and you can follow along with us. I remember back a couple years ago when I was a college sophomore, and uh, I was in Bible college, I took a class called Christian Life Class. The professor's name was C. Sumner Wemp, Dr. Wemp, and he was an interesting character. But I remember sitting in that class one day, and he made this comment that really startled me, and I've remembered it ever since. It went like this. He said, you know, too many Christians are still asking and depending upon the Lord Jesus to do for them the very things that Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to do. I remember hearing that and going, what? (laughs) I hadn't heard a whole lot about the Holy Spirit growing up, and that was kind of a new concept for me. And I remember walking out of that class and, and determined in my heart to begin to try to understand who the Holy Spirit is and what his ministry is in my life. And changes started to take place in me as a result of that. We need to get to know the Holy Spirit of God. We need to understand what he's all about, what his ministry in and through the church is all about, and what it means to live under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Now, theologians would tell us that the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Holy Trinity, equal with God the Father and God the Son, and that he was sent to glorify Jesus, to indwell and energize and empower the body of Christ, and to transform each of us into the image or into the likeness of Jesus, to make us more and more like him. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says it this way, and we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. You know, to attempt to live the Christian life without the Holy Spirit is a frustrating thing. You found that out? To attempt to live out all the things that we learn about here from the Bible on weekends, or all the things that we learn about in our small group experience, or even the things that Brett taught us about last week from the earlier part of Ephesians 5, to attempt to live is bound to be an exercise in futility. Some of you could give a testimony on that. Well, if you've been a believer for a while, you've probably heard the term spirit-filled or the spirit-filled life. Yes? Is this a familiar term to many of you? That's what we're going to be talking about today. It's critical that as followers of Jesus, we understand that we've been given a personal guide, a power source to live within us from which to live out a life that glorifies Jesus Christ. I'd like you to read aloud with me this passage of Scripture from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 18. Read it aloud, out loud with me, if you will. Be very careful, then, how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, 
because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. You might want to underline that phrase. Be filled with the Spirit. Now, in this church, we have people in our body here from all different kinds of church and religious backgrounds. I don't think I've ever asked this question before, but I am curious. How many of you grew up in a Pentecostal or charismatic type of church, or you had that as a big influence in your life growing up? Could I see your hands? Okay. A lot of you folks. Excellent. You can put your hands down. How many of you heard a lot about the Holy Spirit? Yes? (laughs) Okay. How many of you grew up in a church or in a a spiritual environment where you didn't hear much at all about the Holy Spirit and kind of got the feeling that you ought to keep your distance from him and particularly from those crazy Pentecostal and charismatic folks? Anybody grow up in an environment like that? Yeah. I grew up in a GARB Baptist church that had a very dim view of charismatics and Pentecostal folks. We viewed those tongue-speaking, hand-waving, pew-hopping, Catherine Kuhlman-watching, living Bible-reading, foaming-at-the-mouth, slain-in-the-spirit, emotionally-unstable fanatics with disdain and suspicion. Poor, gullible, deluded souls, those. That's what we were taught. They certainly couldn't be worshiping the same Jesus that we Hard shell, died in the wool, KJV only, legalistic, self-righteous, never been to a movie, pharisaical, militant, fundamental Baptist did. No way. We knew the real Jesus. And we didn't talk much at all about the Holy Spirit. He kind of scared us. If he made people do those kinds of crazy things, we wanted nothing to do with him. No way. We were right, and those nutty charismatics were deceived. That's kind of the thinking that I grew up with. Well, here's where I land these days. I think it's high time we stop passing sweeping judgments on each other. Don't you? I think that judgmental spirit hurts God, maims the body of Christ, and does not make Jesus famous to a watching world. Do we really have to demonize each other? Can't we just all agree that we don't all agree on everything and be okay with that? This may come as a shock to some of you, but there will be in heaven charismatics and non-charismatics. There will be some of each in heaven. Did you know that? It's true. Count on it. So for Christ's sake, shouldn't we learn to love one another as brothers and sisters while we're here on the earth? The truth is, non-charismatic people can learn a lot of things from charismatic folks, and vice versa. Thank you, charismatic brothers and sisters, for helping the body of Christ learn to worship and praise Jesus exuberantly expressively, joyfully, from the heart, loving God with all of our hearts, with emotion. Thank you for insisting that God still does miracles today 
as we heard Travis talk about earlier. Thank you for calling us away from embracing a purely academic, cerebral, powerless brand of Christianity. Thank you, charismatic movement. We're indebted to you. We owe you a lot. And thank you, conservative, Bible-thumping Baptists and others, for insisting that we must stay anchored to this book, to the Word of God, that we must test everything, everything, by how it stacks up to this book. Thank you for warning us against allowing our experiences to dictate our doctrine. Thank you. We owe you a lot as well. We really do. Now, there are nutcases in both camps. I mean, extreme, unhinged, way out there types in both groups who don't represent Jesus or the Word of God very well. We know that. But listen, as followers of Jesus, we must not dismiss the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives just because some people out there are misrepresenting him and his work. Jesus would not want us to neglect or ignore or turn away from the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He wouldn't. That's clear from the passage that we just read. A spirit-filled, spirit-driven life was high up on Paul's list of instructions to those who follow Jesus. Just a cursory glance at this passage tells me several things about spirit-filled living. First, it tells me it's a wise way to live. Wise people live a spirit-filled life. It tells me it's foolish not to live that way. It tells me that living a spirit-filled life will enable me to make the most of every opportunity that comes my way. And it tells me that it's God's will. It's the will of the Lord that we live a spirit-filled life. So regardless of our background or our upbringing, let's try to understand this scriptural teaching a little bit better and particularly the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so to help us, Paul in that passage chose an interesting analogy, a word picture that many of his readers would have been very familiar with, and some of you are as well. It's the picture of being drunk, intoxicated, inebriated, smashed, plastered. You get the idea. Do not get drunk with wine, he says, but be drunk, be filled by the Holy Spirit. There's some similarities. He's he's drawing a comparison here and then a contrast, but at first a comparison between being drunk and being filled with the Spirit. So you say, well, what, what are the similarities? Well, think about it. Both begin with a choice. Both getting drunk and being filled with the Spirit begin with a choice. You don't accidentally stumble into getting drunk. Neither do you accidentally stumble into being filled by the Spirit. It's got to be a choice. It starts with a decision. I want this. I want to live this way. I choose it. Second, similarity, both of them involve drinking something in. How does someone get drunk? By drinking alcohol into their system. How does someone get filled by the Spirit? By drinking something into their system. What? It's not the Holy Spirit, because the Bible's clear that that when you get saved, you get all of the Holy Spirit that there is to get. You know what you need to drink in if you want to be filled with the Spirit? The Word of God. Colossians 3.16 says it very clearly, that the Spirit-filled life is the Word-filled life. 
And when we drink the Word of God into our lives, it gives the Spirit tools to work with, to mold us and shape us and change us and transform us and empower us to minister. So both involve drinking something in. Both involve drinking in a lot. (laughs) Back then, the alcohol content of the wine was such that you had to drink in a lot to get drunk. It's the same with being spirit-filled. Just a little sip of God's Word on weekends isn't going to do it for you. You've got to drink in a lot. Both involve turning over control, yielding the controls. Both result in atypical behavior. <laughs> you know, uh, drunk people have been known to display all kinds of uncharacteristic behavior when you're under the influence. Normally, quiet people can get loud and brash. Mild-mannered people can get violent. Typically, modest people under the influence of alcohol can lose all their inhibitions and do things that when they hear about it later, they're embarrassed about and regret. You know what? People who choose to live under the influence of the Spirit experience some notable changes as well. And we'll talk about some of those in a few moments. And I think it can be said both are addictive. Certainly we know that alcohol can hook you. But you know what? So can being spirit-filled. Once you start, it's hard to stop. There's a kind of spiritual intoxication that you can experience and I can experience that once we, we sense the Spirit of God in us, living the life of Jesus through us, we want that more and more and more in our lives. So I think Paul is drawing some comparisons. They're similar, he's saying. And so some of you are saying, well, if they're so similar, why don't I just go get drunk? Well, there's some differences too. There's a contrast. You see, with spiritual intoxication, there are no disgusting hangovers, vomiting, or hugging toilets the next day. No destruction of brain cells. No driving accidents. No debauchery. You've been wondering, what does that word mean? Debauchery is the outrageous, immoral, self-destructive stuff you did while you were drunk (laughs) that you regret later. Do not be drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Bottom line is that being filled with the Spirit is much better than being drunk with wine. Much, much, much better. As I said, it starts with a choice. Let's look a little more closely at that choice, the choice to be filled with the Spirit. I think it needs to be restated. It's a conscious choice. If you want to be filled with the Spirit, you've got to make a conscious choice because there are so many things in your orbit, in your world, that are seeking to control you. Did you know that? There are other people who would like to control you. There are spirit beings who would like to bring you under their influence. There are substances that seem to promise happiness if you'll just surrender control of them. And of course, our own flesh, our own human nature loves to be in charge. So if you want the Holy Spirit to fill your life, you've got to get intentional and say, I don't want to be controlled by anything else but the Spirit of God who lives in me. It's a conscious choice. Second, it's a commanded choice. God must really want this to happen. It's a commanded choice. 
He must be intent on our lives, reflecting His Son and making Jesus famous. Be filled. It's a command. One commentator said, you know, it is as much of a sin to not be filled with the Spirit as it is to get drunk with wine. Third, it's a continuous choice. You could translate that phrase, keep on being continuously filled by the Spirit. It's not a one-time thing. You can't turn over the controls today and expect that to last the remainder of your life. You can be filled by the Spirit today, this afternoon, tonight, tomorrow morning. It is a continuous choice that must be made again and again and again. Why? Because we have the capability of taking the controls back, don't we? Speaking of control, fourth, it's a controlling choice. And this is the crux of the matter. The issue is who's in control. The Spirit-filled life is the Spirit-controlled life. You could translate this, be filled by the Spirit. Let the Spirit of God that is in you fill up every area of your life, dominate every area of your life. This must be the point at which you turn your notes over to the back side. Am I right? (laughs) At the core is surrendering the controls. And this just kind of grates on us, doesn't it? Because we want to be in control, don't we? How many of you just love surrendering the controls to somebody else? Surrendering the steering wheel to somebody else? Two of you, okay. Yeah, it just goes against the grain. It's a controlling choice. Who's going to be in control of my life? And it's a consequential, can't even say it, it's a consequential choice. In other words, it shows up. Who or what you choose to surrender the controls to, that's going to impact your life and how you live. It has to. You say, uh, okay, so if I choose to surrender control of my life to the Holy Spirit, what's going to happen? Am I going to become nutty? Am I going to start speaking in tongues? Am I going to have power to heal people? Will I act crazy? What changes can I expect to start seeing, or is everything going to stay pretty much the same? Well, that's a good question, and let's let Paul speak for himself and answer those questions here. Now, this is not a comprehensive teaching on everything the Bible says about the Holy Spirit and the Spirit-filled life, okay? But it's, it's an important starting point, and in this passage, he specifically mentions four things. Four things that once you start surrendering to the Spirit, you're going to begin to see these things appearing in your life. You could call them four breathalyzer tests to determine your level of spiritual intoxication, okay? To reveal if you're really filled with the Spirit. Read these verses aloud with me, verses 19 through 21 of Ephesians 5. Here we go. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, if you have a pen, I would encourage you to underline those four words. Speak, sing, giving thanks, I guess it's five words, and submit. Those are all the same part of speech in the original, and they reveal 
four results of being spirit-filled. So I wonder, if you were charged today with living under the influence, would there be enough evidence of these four things to convict you? And the first has to do with your conversation. Spiritually uplifting conversation. Speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. You see, when you and I surrender controls to the Holy Spirit, make no mistake, He will begin to change the way you relate to other people. Oh, this is so true of me. When I walked out of Dr. Wimp's class that day and started trying to live under the influence of the Holy Spirit, it was all new to me. One of the things that changed almost immediately was how I related to people. Gone was that desire to just keep cutting people down and hurting them and being sarcastic. And something new was flooding into my soul and it was the desire to bless people and lift them up and encourage them. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, your texting will change. Your Facebooking will change its tone. And yes, even the real live conversations you have with actual people will change too. (laughs) There will be a different tone. Those conversations that used to be laced with profanity or cutting sarcasm or bitterness or hurtful words or backstabbing will take on a different tone. I had lunch this week with a friend of mine, pastor friend of mine named Ed. And Ed pastors a university campus church down at the Ohio State University. And uh, he's going to be speaking here next month in July. I I want you to hear Ed. And the reason I I invited Ed to speak to us is because Ed is a spirit-filled guy. He just is, as long as I've known him. And the reason I know Ed is a spirit-filled guy is because his conversation is always uplifting and encouraging, and, and he's speaking spiritually into my life. You'll like it. (laughs) He's a blessing. Because he blesses people with his words, he's a blessing to people. I remember noticing as I began to, as the spirit in me began to change how I related to people, people began to change how they responded to me. And I, I saw the power in that. The spirit of God wants to change our conversation. Second, read aloud verse, the second half of verse 19 with me, would you? Singing and making music in your heart to the Lord. I love this one, a song in your heart. How do you know if you're filled with the Spirit? There's going to be a song in your heart, and it's not going to be, I kissed a girl. You know, It's going to be something that's spiritually uplifting, that praises Jesus. I know for me, it's usually something we sang here on the weekend, and I find myself humming it or singing it during the week. You know, it drives my kids crazy. But um, when there's that song in my heart of praise to Jesus, I know I'm being filled with the Spirit. I'm walking in the Spirit. You know what I'm talking about? A song in your heart? I'm talking about making joyful music to the Lord. By the way, Whether or not others around you enjoy your singing, you need to know that God enjoys it, okay? You just need to know that. If it's to the Lord, there's people sitting near you and you're singing and praising and they're like, you know, what's going on with that person? Just ignore them. Like, this is for Jesus, it's not for them anyway, right? (laughs) 
Don't worry about, about all that. Just let it rip. Don't hold back. Belt it out. Sing and make music in your heart. And of course, what's in the heart comes out of the mouth. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks and sings. Joyfully making music to the Lord. Let me ask you a question today. Where's the joy in your life? Where's the joy? Is it there? Do you have a song in your heart? The people at work or in your family or whatever, do they, do, I mean, do they hear this coming out? Some of you so need to surrender the controls of your life back to the Holy Spirit if for no other reason than to experience that fountain of joy welling back up within you again that pours out in song. I love music, don't you? What a gift from God. All kinds of music. I used to be very narrow in my you know, preferred styles. Now I like all kinds of music, especially music that the lyrics praise Jesus Christ and lift him up. Spiritually uplifting conversation. Song in your heart. Listen, your life may be difficult or stressful. You can still have the joy of God in you. You can even lose a loved one like so many have the past few weeks. Pastor Brian mentioned this. I, rare is the time or the season in our church's life where so many have lost loved ones just in the last 10 days to two weeks. But you know, even in the midst of your grief and loss, you can still have a song in your heart because you're yielded to the Holy Spirit. And although your circumstances might be hard, you're not living under your circumstances. You're living under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And he's living the life of Jesus through you. And he's giving you a joy that's unexplainable. Some of you desperately, as I said, need to return the controls of your life to the Holy Spirit. Watch him put a song in your heart once again. The next one is related to that one. Verse 20, read it aloud with me. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Saying thanks always. It's the third test of the Spirit-filled life. Saying thanks, a grateful heart. A kid's song from years back had this line in it. Are you humbly grateful or grumbly hateful? (laughs) The third evidence of a spirit-controlled life, according to this passage, is a grateful heart. You know, when you're choosing to allow the Holy Spirit to control you, you start appreciating what you have more and whining less about what you don't have. You stop taking the little blessings for granted and start giving God thanks for everything. There's a guy in our church who, when I see him just about every week, and just say, hey, how you doing? How you doing, man? He says, well, I'm alive. I'm grateful I'm alive. Surviving heart surgery will do that to you. And being filled with the Spirit will do that to you. You know, just life. My wife and I, when we pray together, often, oftentimes our prayers start with, Thank you for another day of life. We woke up today. Praise God. Your eyes will get open. The Spirit will wake you up. You'll start to realize that in reality, you deserve death and hell because of your sins. But Jesus came along and scooped you up and rescued you from that fate. You have eternal life, a home in heaven, 
peace with God, everything else is just gravy. It's like, wow, God, I can't believe it. How good you've been to me. A grateful heart. And then a song starts swelling up in your soul. (laughs) You just want to praise God for how good he's been to you. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you're a grumbly whiner, complainer type of person, I can tell you, you are not filled with the Spirit. But you can be if you'll turn the controls back over to Him. The fourth evidence of the Spirit-filled life is probably the most telling of all of these. Verse 21 says what? Again, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. A submissive spirit. One day the conductor of an orchestra was asked just which instrument was most difficult to play. He didn't miss a beat. Without hesitating, he said, second fiddle. Everybody wants the first chair, the limelight, center stage, but few people gladly yield that position to others content to let others go ahead of them and get all the applause. It's true, isn't it? You see, the Holy Spirit wants to take us to a place on our journey where we are free from the tyranny of always having to be first, always having to be right, always having to win the argument, always having to get the last word in. You know what I'm talking about? That, that drive we have in us to to win and to come out on top all the time and be first. The Spirit of God can free us from all that and lead us to a place I call Second Fiddle Town, (laughs) the restful home of the contented few. It's a place where you get freed up from always having to get your way, where you can let others go first. You can let others go ahead of you in line or on the freeway. And it's okay. You're okay with that. Like where the sign yield actually plays out in your life. Yielded to others. And it's the Holy Spirit who can get you there if, if, if you will daily yield, surrender the controls of your life to this incredible divine resident. I try to start out every day. I don't always do it, but, but most of the time I do with a simple prayer. Holy Spirit, take control of my life today. I, I yield the controls to you. Take over my mind, my heart, my mouth, what I say, what I do, decisions I make today. I want you to be in charge of my life. Now, we know we can give lip service to that, right, and just say the words, but to get to that point where it's really real, like, I'm I'm yours. Live the life of Jesus through me today that his name might be made famous through my life. Four tests of being filled with the Spirit. Spiritually uplifting conversation, song in your heart, saying thanks always to God in a submissive spirit. These are the signs of a Spirit-filled man or woman This is the evidence of someone who's living under the influence of the Spirit of God. Can you imagine if in a body the size of a new life, if all of us or a majority of us were getting up every day saying that prayer, that dangerous prayer, turning control over the Spirit, 
Can you imagine what kind of church this would be? What kind of impact God could have through us? How the fame and renown of Jesus Christ would get spread far and wide through this body. I can only dream about that. Living under the influence of the Spirit of the living God. It's for you and it's for me. I pray for that. Let's bow our heads together in prayer. And if you're being baptized in just a few moments, you can go ahead and make your way and get ready for that. Let me pray over the rest of us, if I may. Our Father, I thank you today for the truth of your word that teaches us about an alternate power source that some of us didn't even know we had. Lord, some people in this room were raised kind of like I was, with not much said about the Holy Spirit, and maybe this teaching today is is fairly new to them, and I thank you for that. Maybe they feel like I felt walking out of Dr. Wimp's class that day with my eyes open and thinking, wow, this is new. I, I really want this. And Lord, I pray that you would guide each of those folks into that daily surrendering of the controls to your spirit. Lord, others just needed to be reminded of this. They've heard it before, but when they look at these tests, they don't see much joy. It hasn't been a song in their heart for a while. They find themselves whining more than praising, not really speaking into people's lives spiritually. And so bring them back, Lord, bring them back to that point of just surrendering to the Spirit of God. Wherever anyone is today, Lord, may they be brought back to this truth that you want to live your life through us and make the name of Jesus famous. We will thank you and praise you. In Christ's name. Amen.